we have been in the book of Esther, but I'm just going to confess to you guys that um, I've been running hard for the last year, um, and I came to a point, I think after uh, Melissa and I, um, where Melissa had a miscarriage, and and, uh, I reached a point where enough was enough for me, and I just emotionally and spiritually was just too beat down. And uh, I was a little too proud to admit it and just kept pushing and preached a couple sermons after the miscarriage where I was honestly just overwhelmed. And uh, my loving, beautiful wife, um, who also is an exhorter, <laughs> told me basically, you need to take some weeks off. You're going way too hard. Uh, you need to work on your own spiritual health for a few weeks. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm being open, honest, real with you guys. I need a few weeks to rest. Jesus was perfect and he needed times to get away and rest, and so I'm taking a few weeks off, and uh, so what we have um, is we're doing a short series that the Lord gave me this verse, and he gave me a a title for this series called Four, and it's the four things that the early church devoted themselves to, and Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted, you can pull up that verse if you can, Aaron. Uh, Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so I noticed there was four things that they devoted themselves to. So we're going to have four speakers for four weeks teach on these four topics. And so I'm excited about it. I believe that it's going to be a, a really a good time for our church, a good time for me to rest and receive. And then we'll come back to Esther after this is done. And I'm excited about it. This first one for apostles teaching, we have my grandfather, James Lucas, who's going to preach um, today. And so my grandpa and grandma, um, my grandma's name is Francille, they have been missionaries all over the world for 40 plus years, going on 50, I believe. And uh, now they're calling Austin home, as a, uh, Austin area as of recent. Um, they're calling it home, but they're still planning more missions trips and doing more things. So um, grandpa, I want to invite you to come teach on the apostles teaching and what that means for us and uh, if you guys would give him a warm Austin Chapel welcome. Wow, all the way up here? <laughs> Do I have to what? You don't have to. You can preach whenever you want. Okay. Well, this is kind of fun up here. <laughs> makes you feel powerful, right? <laughs> Even if you're not. But Well, folks, today's the day the Lord has made, and I'm so pleased to be here with you all. Can you hear me all right? Good. Thank you for inviting me, Steve. And Thank you all for being here, and I just thank the Lord. He's doing a wonderful work in spite of us, you know. He doesn't need great people to do a great work. He just needs faithful people. He needs weak people like you and I, amen? And he's not looking for great people. He's just looking for faithful, loving, right? Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. We're so pleased. We called your children. So pleased we have such a wonderful future. Lord God, no matter what happens, we know it's going to turn out for, you, for good because you love us. 
because you've planned everything and you've orchestrated everything so perfectly until now. Sometimes we don't think so. Sometimes it looks like it's a mess, but it's really all in order. And you're doing a wonderful work. And now, Heavenly Father, we ask you to take over here and minister to each person that's here. Don't let anyone go home without being ministered to. And I pray above all, Lord God, that you'll be pleased, that you'll be glorified, your name will be lifted up, and that you would draw men unto yourself. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Steve already introduced uh, Acts 2.42, I'd like to pick up there. As he told you, he wants to touch on these four things that are brought out there in Acts 2.42. But in order to understand those four things and appreciate them, I think we need to look at it in its context. So look with me there in Acts chapter 2. Now, you may not recognize this funny sounding Bible I read. It's old King James. I'm kind of a funny old guy. I love it. Me, it's the best thing there is, but <laughs> uh, I just love it, and I won't depart from it. So <laughs> you'll have to bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm with it forever. So <laughs> uh, We're going to start out in verse 36, which is in the middle of the context. But, you know, where do you, where do you start the beginning of the context in the Bible? Well, you have to go back, back when? Genesis? No. You have to go back before the foundations of the world. <laughs> Everything in the Bible is in context. Isn't that awesome? And no matter where you start, you're in the middle of the context. <laughs> it's hard to get in the beginning. It really is. Well, here we're in to try to catch us up where we're at here in Acts 2.42. Go back to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, these people have just crucified Jesus. <laughs> this is the context. This is where we're at in the history here. Uh, Jesus was just crucified, and now they're being told that and he's been made Lord. Wow, that's pretty scary, isn't it? The guy you crucified is going to be your Lord. That's when you're going to have to meet on Judgment Day. <laughs> that's something to consider, right? <laughs> It says, now when they heard th this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Untoward. That means you're not going forward anymore. It means you're going backwards. <laughs> All right? That's the way the world is. It's going backwards. And uh, if you want to go forward, you have to be with Jesus. Amen? You have to be in step with him. You have to be aware of what he is doing. Are you aware of what Christ is doing? Have you thought much about that? Uh, has he ever shown you what he's doing today or yesterday? Or You know, it's good sometimes you just say, Lord, what are you up to? What are you doing? <laughs> Can I be a part of it? I, I exhort you in that. We want to be where he is, amen? We want to be involved in what he's doing. Don't come up with all your great ambitious plans. Ask him what his plan is, amen? 
He has a plan, and he's, he's doing a wonderful work. So Peter tells them to repent and so forth. Then he goes on, For the promises is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they, and they these 3,000 souls, these believers, it says, and they continued. And this is what brings us to this verse 42. So these believers, they repented of their sins, and they're coming to Christ, and they're just new uh, in the Lord, and they're going on with the Lord. And as you read on, you find they become very faithful and very fruitful. But it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Stephen has asked me to take this portion, this first one, the apostles' doctrine. Well, the apostles' doctrine is very, very important, obviously. And we can, wow, we can get into it, all right? We could take a long time, but we're going to try to do it in just a few minutes. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible or not, but we're going to try, okay. And, uh, and understand, in order to understand the apostles' doctrine, we have to know something about the apostles. And there's a lot against you in that area right now. Apostle, the word apostle isn't very popular today. It's hardly even used anymore. Uh, we've... Uh, it's misunderstood what an apostle is. Uh, we're being told, that, well, there's only 12 of them. Well, that's not true. I mean, the Bible's full of apostles. And we're going to talk about apostles. And in order to understand their doctrine, we have to understand what an apostle is, right? And the apostles are amazing guys. I mean, they really are. But they're not as amazing as some people want to make them. They're ordinary people. Like They were fishermen. They were, they were common folks like you and I who became apostles. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that anybody may be called to be an apostle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, today we don't hardly use, uh, well, sometimes there's some people coming out using big titles of an apostle, and they're usually just braggers, you know. <laughs> usually people kind of draw attention to themselves and, you understand the type of guy I'm talking about, right? A lot of false prophets, prof, false apostles, teachers out there today. But the true man of God, that's what we want to learn to look for, isn't it? We want to hear uh, from God. We want to know God's people. So in order to know God's doctrine, we need to be hearing the right kind of teaching. And the right kind of teaching is anointed, it's lovely, and it brings us into the presence of God. Okay, now let's slip over it real quick to Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to read here in verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the, same, now, the name of the twelve apostles 
are these? Now, wait a minute. Are we talking about disciples or apostles? Well, this is where their name changed. Okay? This is where Jesus is, uh, this is where we're at here in this context, that Jesus is just introducing these men into apostleship. And he called out among his disciples these 12 men, and he names all 12 of them here. We won't bother to read all their names today, but he called all 12 of them out. And then it says he sends them forth. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go now, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans, enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, neither script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, but for the workman is worthy of his meat. Obviously, Jesus uh, works in a whole lot different manner than most people do today, you know. God doesn't work this way anymore, surely. Well, I believe he does. I believe God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I I think as we read through here, we can see how he loves to operate. We can see here examples uh, laid out before us. First of all, I want us to talk about these missionaries. Well, okay, I use that word missionary. The word missionary, what's that? Well, missionary is the same word as an apostle. It means sent one. All right. When Jesus uh, called these 12 unto himself and then he sent them out, their titles changed from disciple to apostle. All right. Do you remember when Jesus was walking about on the earth and he came by Philip and John and those guys? And boy, those lights are bright, aren't they? Anyway, <laughs> when he came to them, he, he says, come and I'll make you fishers of men. Remember that? Well, now they were just fishermen, uh, you know, common folks. And he called them and it says they forsook their nets, and they left, and they, they left all. They left their fathers, they left their work, they left everything, and followed after him. And he did the same with Levi, and all those 12 were called like this. Pretty amazing, wasn't it? Well, these guys have been in training. He had told them that I'll make you fishers of men. He had told them he's going to make them fruitful. Well, they've been in training now for about three years. And I'd like you to notice about the scriptures is pretty, it's really important to understand where he's putting the emphasis. Jesus never put the emphasis on making converts like we do today. Now, he preached the gospel, believe me, he preached it a lot. He preached everywhere, from city to city, he preached all the time. But his emphasis was not on making converts, his emphasis was on making disciples. He didn't say to Peter and John and those guys, come and I'll convert you. He didn't say, come into our church and sit on the pew. He says, come and I'll make you fishers of men. Let's quit inviting people to come and sit on the pew. Let's invite them to go and be fishers of men. Amen? We need people who are prepared to be true disciples, true followers of Christ. And this is what Jesus did. He called them to be followers of him. You know, he told them, look, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, that's foolish doctrine anymore, but it's not foolish in God's eyes. Are you with me? It's, it's important to please God, and you can't follow him any other way, beloved. We must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross, and we must follow after Christ with all of our hearts. 
And that's what a true disciple is. Well, these men were just learning to be disciples. They'd been with Jesus for three years. And some of them weren't even converted, or just barely converted. Did you read about Peter when he was converted? <clears throat> it was just about close of all things. Jesus uh, told Peter, uh, I've been praying for you. Satan has desired to have you, and he sifted you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. And then he told Philip, Peter, he says, and when thou art converted, now wait a minute, when thou art converted, he'd been with Jesus for three years, and he's still not converted. <laughs> Think about that. He'd been following around Christ for three years, and wasn't he converted yet. He says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Hallelujah. And he was converted. <laughs> you read about it there when he went out, you know, and he's, he was told he would deny the Lord. And he said, no, I'll never deny you. You remember that story? Then he goes out and denies the Lord three times. Then he went out and wept, wept bitterly. That's where I believe he was converted. Pretty obvious. He's a different man after that. He's totally humble. He's totally converted. <laughs> You know, I believe it probably the disciples right here been following Jesus for years or still are not converted. You know, just maybe you went to an altar and maybe you made a certain prayer, you did a certain thing, I don't know. But you know, we don't know people because they did an altar call. We know people because they bear the right fruit. Amen? And we need to bear the right fruit to be true disciples of Jesus, be true, true Christians and born-again people, we have to be bearing the fruit. Amen? So anyway, Jesus has these men in training. And now we come to the stage where he's ready to send them out. And you notice as we started reading there, he didn't send them out to the Gentiles. He sent them out to Israel. So this is the, the context where we're reading here is quite the same as we read in the close of this chapter. If you fast forward to the 28th chapter, you find Jesus sending them out unto all nations. Na the word nation being uh, the word ethnos, which means all ethnic groups throughout the world, all the tribes. See, all this fits in context with the vision and purpose of God. You know, the church's biggest error today is the same that they had in Jesus' day when he was here. He says, you do greatly err. He says, you have two heirs, he says. One, uh, you don't know the scriptures. And two, nor the power of God. And that's what's happening today. People don't know the scriptures. They confess to know Christ, but they don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. And it's also like he told the Pharisees, he says, you greatly err. He says, because you uh, violate the word of God in order to keep your traditions. Today, we want to do it as our fathers did, and even our grandfathers did, and and, you know, maybe your grandfather had it right. Maybe he didn't, you know. Don't do it just because he did it, right? Let us uh, not be followers and keepers of tradition. Let us be men and women who, who fear God and love God and do things with a clear conscience. Amen? And do things in obedience unto him. You know, not all tradition is bad, but not all tradition is good. And let us not uh, think that tradition is all that important. What's important is doing the will of God. So people today lack understanding of the word of God. 
And if you really know the word of God, you know the vision of God. You know the heart of God. You know the mind of God. And the vision of God and the program of God all fit together. And here we're just kind of happen to step in at these very enlightening moments, you know, when when the disciples are just being trained and sent out. And then we read over in chapter 28, uh, in chapter 28, oh, you remember when that takes place, right? When Jesus, just before his departing of this earth, you know, he was taken up in a cloud. Well, just before he was taken up in that cloud, he called his disciples to give them that great commission, right? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that is believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Hallelujah. And he tells them, teaching them uh, to observe all things that I have commanded them. That's the great commission, beloved. And there he's sending them out into all ethnos, into all the nations of the world. That's been God's plan from the beginning. Even before the foundations of the world, Jesus was crucified. Did you realize that? That was in the program of God. And then the promise comes to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 14 about, he says, you lift up your eyes, you know, everywhere you see, and he'll give it unto you for an inheritance to your seed. And he gives the promise unto Abraham that out of his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. All the nations of the world. So that's the vision of God. That's the heart of God is for all nations to be blessed. And if you want to get in step with God, you better get in the vision of God. You better start understanding and desiring to know the will of God and desiring to know what he's about. What he, you know, what's he up to? Or are you just going to tell God what, how to do things? <laughs> no, I think we need to ask him, okay, Lord, what would you have me do next? Amen? We want to be in submission. We want to be uh, in humble servants that are willing to serve him in whatever place he has for us in the building of his kingdom. And believe me, he's doing a wonderful work. He's building a church. And the church will come up out of this world and it will be part, and all of its members will come from every ethnic group in this world. Hallelujah. That means, you know, uh, uh, all ethnic groups will be, everyone, Hallelujah. That means the Rapaho and Wyoming. That means the Ketchy and, and, and uh, wherever they're at. And where's Ketchy? I forgot. Anyway, all these different groups from all around the world, they'll be there. Hallelujah. And I'm going to have the privilege to look over and say, oh, I recognize that one. Yeah, well, yeah, hallelujah. What a privilege. Be partaking in the building up of God's kingdom, beloved. And I, I trust today that you'll begin to get the vision of joining up with God and, and walking with him and getting involved in what he's doing. and Oh, it's awesome. I, I tell you what, you know, I, I wouldn't want to ever do anything else. <laughs> it's just too good to quit now. Hallelujah. We've been doing it for 43 years, I think, something like that. And it just gets better every year. You know, Jesus is uh, he's doing a wonderful work. All right, so here we have, uh, we're not going to take the time to read all this in chapter 10, but we, but then we see uh, this uh, progress going on, and we see the church growing, and Jesus was crucified, and, and then we read there in Acts how he's telling them to continue in these things. <clears throat> and they did, faithfully. And then we read over there in Acts uh, chapter 13. If you want to turn with me there. In chapter 13, we read about, 
uh, some more uh, development of, of this vision of God. It's pretty exciting to see his vision being completed. The vision that God had from the beginning now is being unrolled before our eyes. In chapter 13, now this is during the days of Paul. See, things have developed now, and we've fast-forwarded quite a lot, right? Paul didn't live in the time when Christ was here. Well, he was really young at the most, right? Well, now, this is a different stage. Now, there were, in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon, Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod, the patriarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord <clears throat> and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them and sent them away. So here, the Lord is still calling out apostles. He's still continuing his work. Now see, in Jesus' day, the disciples were sent out to Israel. The gospel had to first come to Israel. And then as Jesus is departing, he's telling us that the gospel needs to be taken to all nations. Well, now we're seeing the development of that happening right before us here. We're seeing now where God is using men like Paul and Barnabas to take this precious word of God unto all nations. Hallelujah. And that's just what they're doing. They're taking it out. And uh, this is all necessary. I'd like you to read now with me in uh, Hebrews I think it's Hebrews chapter 3, is that right? How would you know, right? <laughs> yeah, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. See, you didn't know. <laughs> Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Who is this? Who is he talking about? Jesus. Jesus is an apostle. He was a high apostle. Amen? The apostle of all apostles. And he's, of course, a wonderful priest. And he's so wonderful. And he's, he's the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him, even as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that buildeth all things is God. You know, when the disciples went out to preach, they were told that they wouldn't speak, but the Holy Spirit would speak in them. This is the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord, he uses the most humble 
weakest servants. But when he uses them, the Lord God speaks through them. And he does mighty things through them. The works of God are done through the weakest of people <laughs> and the humblest of people. And when you read about, like, over there in, in Matthew 10, you see the humblest people are going out, and, and they're told that not everybody's going to receive you. And some won't. Therefore, you can dust off your shoes behind you. Wow. How about you? Are you one to receive these humble servants of God? Have you learned to hear them? You know, they won't come to you with credentials. They won't come with a fancy title. They won't brag about being graduates of a certain school. But they'll come in the name of Jesus. And they'll come doing something that's unheard of today. They'll come serving and not being served. They're not looking to be served. They're not looking for fame and fortune. They're coming to, you know, to share the gospel with the unreached, to share the gospel with the poor and the needy, to lay down their lives so others can come into the kingdom of God. Do you recognize these people? People say, well, there's no apostles today. Well, we're not, there's not time today to go into it, but I've counted about 18 in the New Testament alone. Yeah, there's apostles. Well, this here gives us a key why there's still apostles. See, right here it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, part, okay, verse uh, 3. For this man was counted worthy of much more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he was built of the house, as more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. God is building his house. We'll hear people talk about building the kingdom of God. People ask me how many churches I have. If you've been in the ministry 40-some years, you must have a lot of churches. I don't have any church. I don't have any house. I have nothing of my own. I have nothing that you I can brag about. I don't have any great accomplishments. I can't tell you how successful we were in the mission field. I can tell you how people received us. <laughs> sometimes it was really good. And sometimes it wasn't so good. Sometimes they wanted to kill us. Sometimes they wanted to imprison us. Sometimes they told us we'd come into their country. No, you leave. You can't come in here and preach the gospel. We've told that many times. Are you with me now, beloved? We're not here to tell you how successful we were. But I can tell you this, God is mighty, and he'll use you. He'll use the likes of you. He'll use the likes of us. We'll just be faithful and take the word wherever he tells us to. Amen? So you see here, the Lord is building his house. And like the, Jesus came as an apostle, the high and great mighty apostle of God, came to build his church. And, sent, and this is the way the Lord builds his church. He builds his church. He uses these apostles. He sends them out. And they become the men that God uses to, to build his church. I want to share a testimony with you real quick. I, was, uh, I read a book here, I don't know how many years ago, several years ago. Uh, Adonira Judson. You ever read about him? 
If you haven't, you need to. It'll change your life. It's a great book. He was called to Burma, where he preached the gospel. It's a powerful story. He went a lot of years not seeing any fruit. And then he finally, after about six years, began to see fruit. It's a wonderful story. And at the end of the story, I was really blessed because a lot of people at the end, toward the end started getting converted, especially of two tribes, the Chin tribe and the Karen tribe. And after reading that book, I was really impressed. And I thought, wow, Lord, you really did a work there, you know. And I was thinking, wow, I wonder where these people are today. I wonder, you know, what's God doing amongst the Chin people today? What's he doing amongst the Karen people today? And I started taking interest in that. And I started reading up on it. And uh, the more I read, the more interesting it got. And uh, I found out that uh, the Chin people were, it was a very large tribe yet today in, in uh, the country of Myanmar, which is formerly Burma. So anyway, we started investigating, got interested, decided to go to Myanmar. So I went to Myanmar. <laughs> and the Lord, well, before I went, I need to tell you this. Before I decided to go, I was impressed in prayer one day. I was praying. I said, Lord, I... I want to go to Myanmar because, and I, and I just want to get, I just want to know what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. I didn't go to Myanmar to, to do anything. I didn't have any plans. I didn't, I didn't have anything at all I wanted to do. I just wanted to see what he was doing. And that was my only request. Lord, please show me what you're doing. And we got over there and, Make a long story short, I had the privilege to meet this little old guy who just happened to be in the city that I was in. He didn't even live there. He just happened to be there. But I had the privilege of meeting him. He's a real old guy. And this man <laughs> was of the Chin tribe. And he was converted at 14 years of age. And right away he felt called to preach the gospel. I mean, a novice, 14 years old. Ridiculous, right? And he wants to preach the gospel that is pouring down rain. So he goes anyway. <laughs> and he preaches the gospel. One day, two days. He did it for three weeks. Every day it rained. But he never got wet. <laughs> and he started sharing testimony after testimony with me about healing the sick and the Lord doing all kinds of things like raising the dead and all kinds of wonderful things. He even talked about uh, angels visiting him and talking with him. And so I wanted to see what the Lord was doing. Well, this man, even in one place, uh, was going to preach in the city and they didn't have oil for the light. So he ran to get oil for the light and while he's and it's getting late because it's so far away and now he's running back, and he's afraid he's not going to get there in time, so he stops to pray. And once, twice, three times he prays, and the third time he prayed, he looked up, and there was a tiger standing there. So he, he says, I knew it was an angel. How do you know that? I don't know. He just knew. He just knew that was an angel. So he wasn't afraid of it. So he walked over to the tiger and got on it, and the tiger ran him to the village. <laughs> And when the people saw the tiger and him riding in on the village, they all wanted to come and hear this preacher. 
That's the kind of guy I met. Hallelujah. I wanted to see what the Lord's doing. He let me see. Hallelujah. You want to see what the Lord's doing? Ask him. Get interested. Well, then he, he went on and told me some more stories. He said, then toward the end of it, uh, the latter years, well, no, I'm sorry. Not so. But later on, he uh, wanted to go to India. And he goes up, well, to go to India, India, you have to cross this big river. And it was a flood stage. And he couldn't get across. So then again, he finds himself praying, get across this river. And on the third time praying again, he looks up, and sure enough, there's a tiger again. So he goes up and gets on this tiger. And the tiger takes him across the river. And I didn't get to ask him then what. You know, I don't remember what happened, but that was kind of where... He left me, and I thought, wow, I wonder what happened up in India. <laughs> so I started praying about India. So my wife and I decided to go to India, again, wanting to know what God is doing there. And we went to India. I, you know, I have to confess here, uh, I never wanted to go to India. I, I always said that would be the last place to go. I mean, come on. I mean, that has to be the filthiest, dirtiest country in the world. And no, I don't want to go there. Don't talk to me about India, please. I administer. Well, anyway, I don't need to go into that. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't want to go to India. But now I want to go to India. So, you know what I mean? Things have changed now. And uh, so we started praying. And if you look on a map, uh, Myanmar comes right up. And the bigger part of India is over here like this. And it's got a little arm over here like this. Well, this little arm comes across just north of Myanmar. And that's where this old brother had gone across on the river. And got up, and that's the state that's called Mizoram. And uh, <laughs> so that's where I wanted to go. So I look on the map. I don't know anybody there or anything. I look on the map. I see the capital of Mizoram is Aizwal. I said, that's where we'll go, honey. We'll just go there and just see what's there. We'll see what God has, and he'll show us what he's doing. We'll just go to the, a hotel. We looked up on the Internet, found a hotel. We couldn't get a hold of them, but we thought, ah, we'll go to that hotel. We'll get a room. Sure enough, we went to that hotel, and we got a room. But I had prayed. I said, Lord, when we get to that hotel, I want you to put someone in that hotel that would be a contact person to put me in touch with the people you want me to know. Sure enough, the manager of the hotel was a Christian. And she found out the wife and I are missionaries. She got really excited. She says, I, there are some people that you got to meet. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. hallelujah. <laughs> I knew that was an answer to prayer. And she introduced us, uh, first of all, to this, um, his name just left me. Uh, anyway, you wouldn't remember it anyway if I told you. <laughs> Anyway, this brother they introduced us to owned a TV station. It turns out the Lord's done a lot in this part of the world. I mean a lot. You know, India is, uh, has millions of people, you know that, millions of people. And there are probably more lost people in India than any place in the world. I mean, there's just millions of people who don't know Christ. But on the other hand, only 3% only 3%, I mean, of India is Christian. But most of that 3% is in Mizoram. 
pretty awesome. 3% of I don't know how many millions a lot. I forget how many people are in India now. Do you remember? I don't either. But anyway, there's a lot. And the city of Aizwal has a little over a million people in it. And I'm asking, well, how many Christians are there here? We're all Christian. I said, no. I mean, how many? You know, what's the percent? Well, about 100%. <laughs> I said, no, come on. They were serious. <laughs> And after you're there for a while, you begin to realize these guys are Christians. Their taxi drivers won't take a tip, hardly. And you can buy food. And you go to the, they tell me you go down to the market there and you'll, you'll be able to find a table there with food and stuff on it, or, you know, vegetables, whatever. And there's nobody there to sell it, but there's a box there and you find money in it. But you put your money in that you want to buy and you take your change and go. Christian. Christian place, really Christian. Anyway, amazing place. I've never seen so many Christians in my life. You want to you want to see what God's doing? Ask Him. Get interested. Anyway, this Dulo, that's his name, Dulo, the one that owns the TV station. He uh, got really excited when he met Fran and I, and interviewed us, put us on TV. I didn't have any plans, but God had plans. And before you know it, I preached twice on the television. And then, I'm, and it turns out this Dulo is really being used of God to this day. He's leading thousands of people to Christ. He's quite a preacher. He goes, he not only preaches on TV, but he goes to all the villages and does street work and preaches the gospel here and there. And pretty amazing guy. He just went all kinds of people to the Lord. And then I met this mission director, Lala. His name's about that long, but the short of it is Lala. Oh, and he's got quite a... Are we running out of time? Because, yeah, we are. Uh, all right, I'll wind up here. But Lala was a former chief before it became a state. They had chiefs. And he used to preach the gospel. His father was a chief, and then he became chief. And, and they were Christians, though. And they love to go and preach the gospel down into Myanmar and down into Bangladesh. And, and they were given elephants. And they would ride elephants into these places. And when people saw them riding on elephants, that's pretty impressive in that part of the world. And they'd come out, you know, and hear the gospel. And Anyway, they became very, very fruitful. And the Lord allowed me to meet these people who've been bearing fruit for years. This brother Lala is an old gentleman. And he's well-known clear across the state of Mizoram. And his mission group is well-established. And, and he invited, Fran and I, he invited us back. And I went back and taught, made disciples there with him in his mission school for 30 days. And to the finishing of the 30 days, he says, do you usually do uh, a graduation ceremony? And I said, no, I don't bother with that. He said, well, we're going to do one. I said, Okay. So he did this graduation ceremony, and uh, <laughs> he had some special guests. The one that sat alongside of me happened to be the governor of the state, who was also a Christian. And he shared the word of God, and I shared the word of God that day in that meeting. Are you getting a picture of what God is doing in Mizoram? 
Are you getting just a little glimpse? It's pretty wonderful. The Lord is doing a wonderful work in the world today, beloved. And I want you to be a part of it. And I want you to catch the vision today. And I want you to really get insaturated in the apostles' doctrine. All right? I want you to be aware of the word of God and the power of God. You know, that's what Jesus told the Pharisees and them. He says, you have two errors. He says, one, he says, you don't know the doctrine of uh, the, the word of God nor the power of God. Don't make that error, beloved. Don't make the error to worry about traditions. Get concerned about the word of God. Get involved in the word. That's the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine was Jesus' doctrine. They only taught what Jesus taught. They always had a vision, that the vision of Christ, the same vision that the Father had before the foundations of the world. And it's obvious that he's still using apostles for that work because the work isn't finished yet. Is the work finished? Well, it says in Matthew 24, 14, that when the gospel is preached unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Hallelujah. And you and, I, you and I can have a part of finishing up the work here on this earth. So be blessed. Get busy. Amen? And let us be faithful to carry out this vision of the Lord and work of the Lord. And let us be men and women that know the word of God. They're steeped in the apostles' doctrine. I hope after today, you'll certainly have a desire to know the apostles' doctrine. There wasn't time today to really get into the apostles' doctrine the way we want to. But I hope today, from here on out, you'll have a keen desire to really know the apostles' doctrine and to walk in it and fulfill it in your life. Amen? God bless you. Brother Steve, why don't you pray for us?